0: Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos?
1: So let's rock!
2: It is the weekend. It is Beer Sample Friday, so you know we are going to have a good time. My name is Jason Hammer. Big is out, but fear not. Riding. Shotgun.
3: (laughs) See what I did there? Uh,
2: I did. It's Guy Relford, the gun guy, 2A attorney and host of the Gun Guy Show. And Guy, I've been looking forward to today's show because we've had a wild week. We've had a wild 24 hours of the news cycle with the Tucker Putin interview. We had Joe Biden's disastrous impromptu press conference. But I want to start here in Indy. Earlier this afternoon, we found out that Jefferson Shreve, the failed Indianapolis mayoral candidate, the quote unquote Republican who turned his back on law abiding gun owners, has filed paperwork to run For Congress. He's looking to pick up that seat that Greg Pence is leaving behind. Now, he's not the only Republican who has filed the paperwork to get in the mix. I think there's around eight or nine folks
4: that are there. Yeah, a whole bunch of them. The return of Jefferson Shreve. Your thoughts? Well, I'm just wondering whether he learned any lessons from his failed mayoral uh, candidacy in, in Marion County. And primarily, obviously, no no secret, I'm a Second Amendment guy. Second Amendment rights are important to me. I think he completely sabotaged his own campaign following the advice of his uh, advisor, Mark Lubbers, when he came out and basically made gun control, an attack on Second Amendment rights, um, a central Issue in his campaign, and I, you know, he got a lot of criticism from that. He got a lot of criticism from you, from me, um, and a lot of other people, deservedly so, um, because here it is, uh, a Republican stabbing us in the back. Um, I, I, I'd be really interested in in seeing whether or not he learned that lesson, because we're talking about the sixth congressional district, so we're talking about uh, a whole bunch of counties. Um, this is primarily. Southeastern Indiana, um, so you're talking about Henry Hancock, Shelby, Rush, Decatur, Bartholomew, Jennings, Ripley, Franklin, Fayette, Union, Wayne, Moore. the The folks in those counties, Jason, I'm telling you, are not going to appreciate a congressional. Candidate who uh, who wants to, to, to declare war on the Second Amendment, right? That and I you know Columbus fly.
2: people really well. That's Thompson Furniture and Mattress Company yes, exactly. country down there, and those folks they listen to WIBC. They know what's going on. A lot of awesome listeners down in the Columbus area. They know what's going on, and I think
4: they know who this dude is. I, I think so too. And, and, and we'll, hey, we'll see. Um, you know, he 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 followed the advice of Mark Lubbers, who was also the campaign manager uh, for Richard Lugar when Richard Lugar came out and supported an assault weapon ban. Subsequently, and as a result, lost the endorsement of the NRA. Uh, NRA endorsed somebody else, Richard Murdoch. Next thing you know, uh, a 30-year incumbent in the Senate for Indiana, very beloved guy, um, is out during the Republican primary. Same dude is advising uh, Jefferson Shreve. So I'm I'm fascinated to see whether he's wised up uh, because, you know, it's because of that campaign, and you and I both said exactly the same thing, Jason, we had high hopes for him. He had the money to compete. He had the money to compete. And and, and we were hoping and praying that we had a viable alternative um, to Joe Hogsett, who's been just god-awful for, for this city and county. Um, and then, lo and behold, the dude goes out and, no pun intended, shoots himself in the foot.
2: Right. And I get it. As a Republican in Indianapolis- Marion County, if you're running for a citywide position, you're going to have to pick up a few Democrats. Yep. I understand because the math is set up to where it's 60 percent Democrat and 40 percent Republican in terms of registered voters. I understand that. But there are other ways you can go about business other than blaming people like you, People like me and law-abiding citizens who want to protect their family—we're not the problem here—and yeah. that rubbed a lot
4: of people the wrong way. Well, it did because a lot of people, you know, were upset uh, with both of us. Uh, but the, the grief I got, I'm sure, was the same you did. Oh, great, you're you're, you're a Hogshead supporter now. Right. I'm like, no, 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 no. I, 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 we need to send a very strong message here that a way to win a, a race as a Republican is not to stab us in the back on the Constitution, and 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 where. A Republican does that, um, and that sends a message that that's a winning strategy. You've just erad on that issue of, uh, anyway. On that issue, you've just eradicated any difference between the parties, and we will never recover those constitutional rights when you have both parties running on a platform uh, that does not support the the uh, constitutional rights of their constituents. That is untenable. That is worse, as bad as hogs it is. That precedent is worse for uh, us here in Indiana and across this country um, than four more years of Joe Hogshead, as god-awful as he is. And I will
2: make this statement, because I don't think anybody was tougher on Jefferson Treeve than the people in this room right oh, yeah. now, myself and you, Guy Relford. If he comes out and says, look... I made some mistakes during the mayor's campaign. I listened to some people that I thought had the right ideas. I realize now that was a mistake. I've parted ways with these losers. I understand the errors, and I'm looking forward to being a better candidate moving forward. If he comes out and says something similar to that, I'm open to this guy. I really am. If he learns... From his mistakes, and he understands that law-abiding citizens are not the enemy here. Listen, I can forgive, but if he doubles down on it and tries to go somewhere else with the
4: same lame message, I'm out. Yeah, but you know, there's there's another issue here too. And listen, I'm in the same boat, and that is, I want to be open. I want to have an open mind. uh, People can can change their minds on issues, but but there's a there's a character issue here too, Jason, because for him to say, well, you know, I learned my lessons in in the Marion County, Indiana. Indianapolis, mayoral race and I, I've abandoned you know that that plank in my platform of gun control anti-second amendment in doing that he almost has to admit that the only reason he did it because he was pandering to the Liberals in Marion County right and he was willing to sell his principles down the road um, and in and, 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 and in order to win a race in Marion County what's that tell you about the guy Right, if he was willing to sacrifice his own principles, including support of the Constitution that you you have to swear to uphold and defend if you if you are elected, um, he has to admit that oh well I just did that because I was really trying to attract liberal voters in Marion County. That's not really who I was. Oh wow, were well, you, you relying then, or are you lying now? So if you live
2: in the Greg Pence district, the district that he is leaving behind, hit us up here at the Hammer and Nigel show. Let us know what you think. Are you open to Jefferson Shreve or... Did you hear enough from what happened
4: here in Indianapolis to say I'm good here? Well, and, you know, there is no, there's another thing here too that comes to my mind, and I'll throw this out relative to my show, and I'm guessing you would make the same offer. Um, but you know, most of the sixth congressional district, if not all, and there's a whole bunch of counties in it, is in the WIBC listening area. And I'll tell you what I would do in a heartbeat. I would have Jefferson Shreve on my show. I know you'd do the same Absolutely. thing. Absolutely, open and, invite and and an open question. Here's what you said. Just quote him his own words from the Indianapolis mayor race. Here's what you said then about the second amendment and gun control um and 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 how to prevent crime or is that still your position today and if not why not and 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 how do you explain that to the ton of people that are listening right now from this congressional district uh, open question you know no 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 hiding in the weeds and no ambushes what's his answer to that question so hit us up at Hammer and Nigel on
2: social media or at Guy Relford on Twitter. Uh, just let us know what you think. We good,
5: so good you are listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. I'm sorry
2: what a beautiful Friday. Man, this is awesome. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. I'm Jason Hammer. Guy Relford, the gun guy, filling in for Big Nige and joining us in studio, the traffic beast, Matt Bear. What is up? He's got his phone in one hand, his vape in the other, and the podcast is hot. <laughs> it is hot. It is out. It it's is live. live. It's, it's out
1: real. there now. It is real. I wasn't making this up. Ryan Hedrick and I really did a podcast, and uh, it's. I think one of the most humbling experiences I've ever had in my life. It is completely out right now. Supporting Sobriety is what it's called. And it's a podcast. Yeah, we tell stories because we have experiences, but it's for people that aren't like Ryan and I, addicts and alcoholics. It's for the people that got us through. What we were going through, what we call the people behind the people, like a guy and Hammer, and definitely Allison. I mean, you know, we we don't make it through and become sober, and to be able to work out this radio station without people like uh, you guys, and most definitely the people that are listening right now, and my family and everybody else. So that's that's who this podcast is for. And the feedback yeah. Matt has been amazing because really
2: people that I you know interact with, you know, they know everybody at WIBC. We're like family to a lot of people. You bet. And that means the world to me. You know, they always come up to me if they see me out at a ball game or one of my kids' events, you know, oh, tell Guy Relford I'm with him. <laughs> one of the things I've been hearing a lot is – dude, when is Matt's podcast coming out? Because that is going to be so good. I know somebody that it could help. And just so many people have been looking forward to this. I got a text from a buddy of mine today that heard uh, you talking about this, I think with Tony the other day. And he was like, man, that's such a great idea.
1: No, it's so humbling, man. Thank you for saying so. Um, I really haven't heard anything except from my dad. And he said it was great. And, you know, that was nice of him. (laughs) Now, how did he
2: say it was great, though? Because like, my mom and dad still think what I do is like play. Like I'll go talk to my mom and dad. <laughs> hey, right. we had a great show. We had the the senator call in. And like a comment I would get from my mom, I listened to it a little bit. It sounded like a real show. <laughs> <laughs> like that's kind of comment
1: I get from my mom. Like, was your dad's comment similar? Well, it's I mean I I understand like what your mom, my dad, and other people think. It's like, hey, we're we're taping a podcast this Saturday, and it's just not like you you sit down and, and start talking. I mean, there's so much preparation, and we oh, have yeah. meetings about this. And Ryan Rice these. Excellent show, Ruth. He's such a talented writer, and we're still figuring out what I'm good at. There are so many things involved in this, and it, it just takes time, man. That's the thing, to put it all together. So, so when he says terrific, I, I do take it to heart, but at the same time, it, I it's hard to make people understand. This is why I, I'm in a studio every Saturday morning and why we're doing this all the time. It's because it, it's an, it is such a privilege to be able to do, you know? Um I'm going to tell you this. I started listening to it when I was at the Y today. You do not listen to yourself. Where you're trying to have an exercise at the same time, the, the look on my face—I really felt—I I checked it out in the mirror because I listened to like five minutes. I had to shut it off. I looked creepier than I normally do, and, and that was oh the, stop! That, it. that was that was hard. Okay, to come so back. right now yeah. you sound
2: like every hot chick that talks about how fat she is. You're fishing for compliments. Well, I'm not going to give it to you. You know what? You're right. You are homely. You Thank are you. ugly, Matt. I'm not going to fall for this trap. That's well. what I was going for. Um,
1: it's it's I I, I mean just in yourself and something you created. I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's like an insecurity to it, but there's also a, just this this humility. Like, yeah, there's something out there that really can help people and make somebody better. I mean, it's a
4: beautiful thing. It's, well, it, it's and so it's lucky. It's it's, so a, it's a beautiful thing in part. Two Max it's from the heart, man. Yeah. I mean, that's what's so obvious about it. It is it is from your heart. And a question I have is is it is it also um, cathartic? I mean, is, is it also is, is it is it also um, um, uh, helpful to you? Does it, does it? Does it? Is it beneficial to you on an emotional level? Just to just to talk about it and just to air it and just to say it and and, and sort of re-experience it? it. Is that is that a positive thing or is that painful?
1: It's all it, it's painful and it's all all the time positive. Uh, but yeah, they can be painful and positive at the same time. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it, you, you just need a safe word. Um, the thing is, it's it, it gets better because while you're doing this, you, you're hearing these awful. things things and talking about these all for, for me we still haven't run back to the time when i was drunk on the air and that's that's i have not heard it since i've been drunk on the air and that's going to be a tough moment and that's it's going to be a difficult thing ryan told its story uh involving his mom or it had had her on even uh, to talk about his addiction so yeah there are these tough moments that we have but we, we don't stay better we don't stay sober unless we do these things and again i hate to speak for anybody i don't ever want to do that but for me i i have a living immense to make, and and this is part of it trying to help out and give back a little bit um I, it, when you sober up things are immediately better I, I, in some ways they really are just right. like uh, the clarity of your thinking but uh, at the same time man i don't expect to be forgiven I don't expect, yeah, you do a podcast, you do these things, and yeah, it's cool now because I I said some pretty heinous stuff, guys, and I did some pretty heinous things, and I screwed over some people, so we don't go into this thinking so much that this will help us be forgiven because that's up to other people. It's not up to us. But the thing is, and I think you'll
2: learn this from this journey that you're doing with this podcast. You're not alone. Everything that you just said, there's somebody listening right now, whether they're in their car, whether they're at work, wherever they're listening to this show, that's like, I know exactly what Matt's talking yeah,
1: about. Yeah, and I appreciate you saying that because that's why having a recovery group is so important, especially when you first start out. You have to have that support. I mean, the, the best thing about going to recovery groups, I'm not saying the name because it is, well, not supposed to, it is anonymous. <laughs> but uh, right. the, the best thing about going to recovery groups. As you walk in, in, in your normal, and for the first time, you feel normal because everybody else is afflicted. Everybody else has this disease, and everybody, in some way, shape, or form, it feels like to me, at least has done and said the same awful things so it's it, it's it, we're all in there yeah there's there's a sort of redemption and and yes of course you're trying to make your life better but you're surrounded by people who are trying to do the same thing and it's it's really a beautiful family man I mean you, you look at an alcoholic and they're in recovery and you have things to immediately talk about right you, you really do whether it's legal or financial or, or, or marital whatever it is you are in the same boat man and with that you can help each other up I so Matt real quick because we so yeah, i all over the place. No, city. you're yeah, fine.
2: Yeah. You're fine. We just got to hit a break here. Um, in one minute or less, two things. Number one, during your time in rehab, did you ever run into a specific mayor of Indianapolis? And number two, <laughs> thank you for
1: laughing. See, I'm trying to lighten the mood here a little bit. People. Right, right. I know I'm pretty heavy today. I'm pretty heavy. And
2: number two, where can people find the podcast? There you
1: go. Uh, The first answer is no, but I was in a state where I could have run into anybody, I think. Uh, the second <laughs> answer is it's at sobriety underscore pod. At sobriety underscore pod. We have X up. We also have Instagram going right now and there are going to be so many other things you can find the podcast at wibc.com you can go it was on spotify it's now on spotify i'm happy about that apple music has it all your major podcast suppliers just search supporting sobriety and you'll see our logo it's a couple of people helping each other up a couple of hands in. i just it's
2: retweeted from, it at hammer and nigel God bless, thank you. um man you're doing such awesome work i I know the Friday segment, we try to have fun, and I wanted mm-hmm. to talk about other stuff. I wanted to talk Super Bowl, but with your podcast now being live, I think that's really important. Oh,
1: it's a big deal. Yeah, thank you, guys. I mean, I always want to talk about Lorna Bobbitt, but, you know, that's very, <laughs> that's going to take out. And on that note. Lauren Bobbitt's kind of my girl, but, you know. Love, w- good love, co- God. What is wrong with you? Like, all the
2: goodwill you just had, you threw it out the window by talking about the chick chopping off cranks. Go back to the traffic center. Get the hell out of here. Actually,
1: I meant to say the congressperson from Colorado, by, but i get it mixed up with arena bob but you can tell i'm high strung right now i love you guys I'll so talk
2: to you later it's the hammer and nigel show
5: you're listening to the hammer and nigel show
2: we have got guy relford in studio with us and when we have the gun guy here we like to play a round of ask the gun guy so if you've got a firearms question a situational question. Now is the time to get it out there. Ryan, you're going to get us going first here. Ryan, rock and roll. Hey,
6: how you doing? Good. All right, so I've got a question. My daughter's
7: flying to Texas
6: in, well, actually next week. And she wants to take her handgun. She has a lifetime Indiana permit. What does she need to do in order to take it on the plane?
4: Yeah. Well, first thing is you go to um, go to the TSA.gov and just search for traveling with firearms. Or you can just Google TSA traveling with firearms, and the link comes right up. But the the short answer is it needs to be unloaded, and it needs to be in a hard sided lockable case. And hard sided meaning once it's locked, you can't pry and end up or even look. You know, to be able to see the gun. Gun. It's got to be truly hard-sided and lockable. Um, it's got to be unloaded, although you can put ammo in a factory box in the same container with a lot with a gun locked up. You declare it at the baggage counter. You walk up and say, uh, I need to declare an unloaded firearm in my check bag. They have you uh, take it out and unlock the case, sign a placard that says uh, it's unloaded. And you verify that. They throw it in there, and they give you a little piece of paper that says, I've declared an unloaded firearm. And you give that to the first TSA person. Person, when you go through security, she should expect to get a little extra love and affection going through uh, TSA uh, through the security checkpoint. Um, and then she has to report to the kiosk for TSA on the other side of the uh, x ray machine. And they tell her then at that point whether they need the key or the combination to open it back up. And I think they're verifying that it's unloaded. That's the shorthand version. But oh, and always check with the airline to see if they have any separate restrictions because sometimes they do on amount of ammo or whether you can even take ammo so you always check with the airline as well but that's the shorthand version but but the, what you definitely want to do is have her go to tsc.gov uh, and and look for the traveling with firearms and that lays it all out really well
2: Alright let's go to Gerald who's up next. Gerald welcome to the Hammer and Nigel show.
8: Hey guys long time listener first time caller
2: Love awesome. it. Love
8: it. <laughs> hey two quick questions. Um, Guy did uh, uh, Hammer and Nigel work their tails off on the uh, red white and blue bull event
4: how great was that? <laughs> <laughs> the guy was up there hanging out with us. Uh, oh, absolutely! Oh, yeah, and yeah. that was that was fun, and it was a blast. And they did a fabulous job. Absolutely. Uh,
8: uh, second question is: um, I'm going to be on the ballot. To be a GOP delegate uh, coming up uh, this May. Um, I know that you've worked with uh, Todd Rokita on several gun issues. Uh, Todd's a a great 2A guy. What do you know about Micah Beckwith? Do you have any information as to uh,
5: his stance on 2A?
4: Oh, absolutely. And and again, you're right on Todd Rokita. He has done a lot for 2A. We just collaborated on an official opinion um, that's really going to help out uh, Indiana Gunners. He and I worked together to write the Indiana uh, Gun Owners Bill of Rights that's published on the Attorney General's website. He's filed lawsuits. He's He's been fantastic. So, uh, Todd Rokita is is way high on my list on 2A. But listen, Micah's really, really strong on 2A, too. In fact, I've spoken at several different events on 2A issues, and Micah was right there with me speaking on, on, the, on the same issue in support of Second Amendment rights. So, he doesn't have the kind of actual uh, background in, in office, obviously, that Todd Rokita does to be able to point to. But, but I know Mike, uh, I consider him a friend. Uh, we've had a lot of uh, conversations. Like I say, we've spoken together, and he's very, very strong on two A. I have I have no reservations on that issue with him at all.
2: David, you are up next on the Hammer and Nigel show. We got Guy Relford here.
8: Hey, guys, this
7: is David. Appreciate everything you guys do for two A. Thank you, buddy. Hey, uh, question for you on an SBR. So there's a compensator, will that count in the overall length of that barrel of 16 inches? So, for example, if I have a 14-inch barrel and have a 2-inch compensator, is that going to make me legal with the uh,
4: ATF? Only if it's permanent, meaning pinned and welded. If it's if it's just Loctited on there on a threaded barrel, then the answer is no. So it's got to be permanent, and then that can help you out.
2: Drew is up next. Drew, welcome to the Hammer and Nigel show. We've got Guy Relford here.
5: Go ahead. Hey, thanks for taking my call. A uh, quick question on um, stabilizer braces. Um, that was um, all the rage uh, last year about this time, and I haven't heard anything else about it. Is it, Is it—is it still in litigation? Uh, what's going on with it?
4: Yeah, well, it's still on the books. Um, so, you know, the ATF reg still says what it says, which is um, if you have a pistol brace on your pistol, that turns it into an SBR and, and you got to register it or you're looking at 10 years in federal prison. And what happened though is there was a lawsuit in Texas in the Northern District of Texas where the judge issued an injunction that ostensibly prevents ATF from enforcing that even on a nationwide basis. Now there's a real question of whether the one judge in the Northern District of Texas can tell the ATF what to do across the entire country. And that's an interesting legal issue and 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 I could just certainly argue either side of it. So we don't really know. And it hasn't gone any higher than that. I'm being told that ATF's not enforcing the pistol brace rule right now, but I don't trust the bastards, and and and, and 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 I wouldn't I wouldn't advise anybody else to trust them either. So what we need is for Congress to override it. For the ATF to withdraw it, I'm talking about the regulation at issue here, uh, or a court uh, like the Supreme Court to declare it unconstitutional and 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 illegal based on how it was passed, which because it's legislative, um, but it was passed by an executive agency which isn't supposed to have any legislative power, Um, and so there's a constitutional issue there. So it's not over yet. Uh, ATF says they're not enforcing it, but like I said, I don't I don't trust them half as far as I can throw them.
2: Uh, Let's go to Rand. Randy's been waiting patiently. Go ahead, Randy.
7: Oh, thanks for taking my call. Uh, I have a question about the Alec Baldwin situation, and I never heard anyone mention this, but that type of gun could have fired without pulling the trigger when i was a kid i had a toy gun that was almost a scale called a Fanner 50 and it was a cap gun but if you don't pull that hammer all the way back in t- to where it locks open or, or in a firing position and many a time my thumb i'm right-handed would slip off and that hammer would fly forward and ignite the cap now what i'm getting at is uh it's a very tight spring-loaded hammer and i have a feeling that's what happened alex baldwin said that the cinematographer wanted him to, or zoomed in on the gun. Okay, I'm going to jump in here real quick because we're
2: running out of time. Randy, thank you. Yeah, oh, and,
4: and, it. and and actually, would it, when this particular gun, um, it, even uh, being a replica uh, of a of a gun, you know, that was produced in the, in the 1800s, uh, actually has safety devices that prevents exactly what you're talking about. And uh, and you need to have your finger on the trigger to be able to fan the hammer like you're talking about. Otherwise, the hammer does not go forward and uh, strike the firing pin. So I think that was established out there by the prosecution with their experts.
2: All right, we got two minutes left. I'm gonna try to get both of these callers that have been waiting. Let's try to make it as quick as we can. Chad, go ahead.
8: Yes, I want to go to the gun range with my shotgun and my AR. They have these gun carriers that mount to your seat, and you can hold the gun behind the seat. Are those
7: legal? In Indiana. You can see them on Amazon and everything.
4: Yeah. I mean, you can have, I mean, whether it's smart is a whole different issue. But in terms of the law, you can have a loaded AR with a safety off flopping around in your back seat. And if it doesn't go off and doesn't hurt anybody or endanger anybody, it's just flopping around in your back seat. That's not actually a crime. Again, that's really dumb. And I know you're not suggesting you'd ever do that, nor am I, nor recommending it. But the law, does, there's no law in Indiana that talks to you about how the gun, a rifle, has to be transported in a vehicle,
9: Joshua. We got a
4: minute left, buddy. Rock and roll.
9: Hey, uh, yeah. Um, I was committed of a crime in '91. Uh, a guy got hit with a brick, bounced off of him inside of a car, hit his passenger in the foot, and I was charged with two counts of battery with bodily injury with a deadly weapon. It was a, uh, and I went to trial. And uh, I realized that later on, after I did my time, which I'm not admitting to it, I never did admit to it, that I was found guilty by a propane judge, and at that, that year that they were not allowed to make a decision, but to set in and hear.
4: No, I mean my I, I,
9: original I, judge had went on vacation.
4: Now, pro tem judge. Pro tem judge, yeah, judge has all in. the same powers as a regular judge. They they go in. They receive a pro tem appointment I've been a pro tem judge, um, and they they have all the same powers that the sitting judge does. They're just in there on a temporary basis. All
2: right. Thank you so much for all your calls. Again, if you've got more issues, you can listen to the Gun Guy Show on the weekends, or hit him up on social media at Guy Relford. Caller number nine was DJ. DJ, welcome to the Hammer and Nigel Show. How are you?
8: I'm doing great. Thanks, guys. I love listening to you guys. I work
4: second shift, listen every day.
2: Right on. God bless you, DJ. We appreciate that. And Luke Bryan tickets are on the line here. We're going to play a little game called Luke, Duke, or Puke. I'm going to give you a piece of information. It will either be a piece of information about Luke Bryan or... College basketball legend Christian Leitner who played at Duke, or Nigel, who likes to puke on the air. You get two out of three correct. I'm going to give you the tickets, okay? Great. Number one, Luke Duker Puke has hosted the CMA Awards. Luke. Luke. All right. Pressure's on. Get this right. We're going to throw a party, and we're going to give you the Luke Bryan tickets. Is a fat alcoholic who constantly misses work.
3: <laughs>
2: That's gonna be puke. Yeah!
3: Country girl, Shake it for me, girl! There we go! Shake it
8: for me, girl. Shake it for me. My man, DJ.
2: You got a couple tickets to go see Luke Bryan September 7th at Ruoff. And the rules of engagement are you won the tickets, DJ. So whoever you take to the show has to be the designated driver.
8: Yes, sir, for sure. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you guys being on the air so much.
2: Right on. Thank you so much. Allison, will take care of you. Uh, Guy Relford, we've got less than a minute here, so we got to be quick. But what's this Hawaii Supreme Court thing where they say they're going to like do their own
4: uh, constitution and override 2A? <laughs> what's this? Well, yeah, and I'm going to do a deep drill on this on my show tomorrow. But uh, an opinion from the Hawaii Supreme Court basically said um, that they don't care what the Supreme Court has to say about Second Amendment rights, including the Heller decision on whether there's an individual right to bear arms at all, or the Bruin decision that says there's a right to carry a gun for self-defense outside the home. They don't care. Uh, In Hawaii, none of that applies, because the aloha spirit in Hawaii actually uh, overrules the Constitution and overrules the Supreme Court of the United States.
2: Well, I believe aloha means hello and goodbye, if I'm not mistaken. So, I think the Supreme Court, when they ultimately see this, is going to use the goodbye version of aloha, and there's no way that that's going to stand exactly we have got the top stories coming up next this is the hammer and nigel show hammer and nigel Can you
0: believe these
5: characters are weirdos so let's rock it.
2: what a beautiful friday man the sun is shining it's beer sample friday i'm in a great mood today i hope you guys are as well thank you so much for joining all of us here This is the Hammer and Nigel show. I'm Jason Hammer, Guy Relford, pinch hitting for Big Nigel. And, Guy, are you one of those people that was very upset? You couldn't sleep at night, your feelings were hurt because Tucker Carlson was going to interview Vladimir Putin? <laughs> no,
4: no, no. I, I was more upset when I found out uh, Tucker Carlson uh, wasn't going to be on Fox anymore. <laughs> so I was much, a lot more upset about that. But, no, I, I, I was interested because I knew it would be a good interview, and I knew um, he, would, he would ask tough questions, and I was fascinated to hear what Putin would have to say. And what was interesting to me is, even before the interview happened, And if you
2: missed it, we're going to play some sound of that coming up here in just a moment, but you had people on CNN literally close to tears because Tucker Carlson was about to interview Vladimir Putin even though Abby Phillip herself and we played this soundbite on our show a couple days ago, admitted CNN has been trying to interview Vladimir Putin for a while and they couldn't gain any traction. But now, since Tucker Carlson did it, and he's somebody that's not employed by one of the major cable news networks now, I think it frightens the establishment
4: news networks that this guy with a Twitter show got the biggest interview in the world yeah and i don't even understand what the basis of that criticism is i mean is it that what he's he's now somehow a putin sympathizer because he's going to sit him down and ask him tough questions well that's what they were saying that yeah. was the angle at, they at, were using it, to well, show their jealousy well yeah but i mean the, the proof is in the pudding there which is you know what's what what happened in the interview i didn't um i didn't i went back and, and watched snippets of it i didn't watch the whole thing uh front to back Um uh, but I, he was not coddling putin he was not sympathetic toward putin he wasn't trying to justify Putin's position. I, I don't think there was anything there that we used to would say, oh, now suddenly Tucker Carlson has jumped into to Vladimir Putin's camp.
2: Right, 100% right. There's a lot of jealousy that Tucker got this interview because a lot of the mainstream media folks at the national level, they feel threatened by the rise of guys like Tucker Carlson and Joe Rogan and people like that. You know, Don Lemon, you know, oh, yeah. even on the liberal side took his show now to Twitter after being fired from cable news and you know there's a lot of people that do really well. Megan Kelly has completely reinvented herself with her social media programs
4: and she's getting more eyeballs now than she ever did when she worked at Fox. Exactly. But you know what, let me throw something out there. I mean, you know this is this is completely hypocritical because let's let's just take some let's say what if Rachel Maddow got a call here a few years ago and it was it was Osama bin Laden who said, "You know what? I'm in hiding, but we're going to blindfold you and fly you to my secret location. I want to give you an exclusive" interview with me and then talk to you about why I uh, committed the atrocity of 9-11. You don't think she would have done that in a heartbeat?
2: She should have done that in a heartbeat. She should have done that. 100%. And I think it's okay to be interested in what the other side has to say. Right. doesn't make you a sympathizer. Precisely. You know, I don't like Vladimir Putin. I think he's a murderer. I think he's a scumbag. He tries to be a bully thug at the international level. But I am curious as to what he has to say, because we're only getting one side of the story here in America. We're only hearing from Zelensky, where, you know, depending on who you are, you either want to put a cape on him and make him Superman, or you want to go ask him for some of your money back. Yeah, right. (laughs) So let's get into it here. Uh, This was Tucker Carlson chatting with Vladimir Putin. Now, what you're going to hear is the translator, obviously, speaking for Vladimir Putin, and I've tried to make this as compact as possible so there's not a lot of awkward silence. Uh, Vladimir Putin asked about why there aren't peace talks between Russia and Ukraine.
10: The president of Ukraine has legislated a ban on negotiating with Russia. He signed a decree forbidding everyone to negotiate with Russia. But how are we going to negotiate if he forbade himself and everyone to do this? We know that he is putting forward some ideas about the settlement. But in order to agree on something, we need to have a dialogue. Is that not right? When was the last time you spoke to Joe Biden? I cannot remember when I talk to him. I do not remember. We can look it up. You don't remember? No. Why? Do I have to remember everything? I have my own things to do. We have domestic political affairs.
3: Well, he's funding the war that you're fighting so I would think that would be memorable
10: well yes he funds but I talked to him before the special military operation of course and I said to him then by the way I will not go into details I never do but I said to him then I believe that you are making a huge mistake of historic proportions by supporting everything that is happening there in Ukraine by pushing Russia away
2: So this little dialogue here between Putin and Tucker goes on for a while. Again, the interview is over two hours long. But we start going down this little rabbit hole of communication, communication between Russia and Ukraine and communication between
3: Russia and the United States. From the outside, it seems like this could devolve or evolve into something that brings the entire world into conflict and could Um, initiate a nuclear launch. And so why don't you just call Biden
10: and say... Let's work this out. What's there to work out? It's very simple. I repeat, we have contacts through various agencies. I will tell you what we are saying on this matter and what we are conveying to the US leadership. If you really want to stop fighting, you need to stop supplying weapons. It will be over within a few weeks. That's it. And then we can agree on some terms. Before you do that, stop. What's easier? I heard you chuckling a little bit,
4: Guy Relford. What's going through your mind? Yeah, it's like, hey, uh, you know, cut off the Ukrainians so we can steamroll them. You know, we can bomb them into oblivion with no viable defense, and and then it'll be over. We will have emerged victorious, and then we'll discuss a resolution with you. Well, of course, <laughs> Absolutely. again, you don't
2: have to like Vladimir Putin, and I'm not suggesting that you do. But hearing this back and forth is rather interesting. Hearing his perspective from it.
4: Oh yeah, and even I, I was also chuckling when he said "special military operation." It's not an invasion, right? It's a special military operation. Oh well, yeah, I'm I'm sure all, all those people who have died there think it's very special. Here is uh, Tucker Carlson
2: asking Vladimir Putin about something that Chuck Schumer said this past week. If you remember, and we played the audio multiple times on our show, Chuck Schumer was doing the media tour and was trying to drum up support for giving more of your money to Ukraine. And he basically stated, if you don't do this, who knows, maybe in a couple of years, it's your sons and daughters fighting over there. Tucker asked Vladimir Putin about that.
3: One of uh, our senior United States senators from the state of New York, Chuck Schumer, said yesterday, I believe, that we have to continue to fund the Ukrainian effort or U.S. soldiers, citizens could wind up fighting there. How do you assess that?
10: This is a provocation, and a cheap provocation at that. I do not understand why American soldiers should fight in Ukraine. There are mercenaries from the United States there. The bigger number of mercenaries comes from Poland, with mercenaries from the United States in second place, and mercenaries from Georgia in third place. Well, if somebody has the desire to send regular troops, that would certainly bring humanity to the brink of very serious global conflict. Do the United States need this? four thousands of miles away from your national territory don't you have anything better to do you have issues on the border issues with migration issues with the national debt more than 33 trillion dollars you have nothing better to do so you should fight in ukraine wouldn't it be better to negotiate with russia make an agreement
2: is there anything vladimir putin said that's incorrect guy ralford
10: well, that's
4: the thing. No, right. I mean, he, he laid out our problems pretty well that the American media doesn't even report on, like the national debt, which could be completely catastrophic in our lifetime. Um, and no, so I mean, you know, he's not he's not lying. Now, obviously, um, his point is we'll only negotiate after the U.S. stops supporting Ukraine and we emerge victorious. At which point, there's nothing to negotiate, and that's why you know I, it, 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 there's there's negotiation and there's good faith negotiation. He's clearly not willing to do the latter. It is, though, interesting. And Rob
2: Kendall, I think, asked this question on his program earlier today, Kendall and Casey. What has the United States gotten in return for all of this money we've given Ukraine? Because Russia is still winning this war. We're just prolonging the inevitable. There's no paper trail that the money we've given has actually helped we don't know where a lot of this military weaponry is. Some of it's on the black market. And I just wonder, what has the United States received in return? And I don't want to hear the answer of, well, Russia hasn't taken over Ukraine. If they take over Ukraine, they're going to take over the rest of the world. They're not going to take over the rest of the world. That's something
4: ridiculous people say. Well, that's something that's horribly absent. Um, in the analysis uh, in Washington, anytime they're, anytime they're doling out all this money, including billions and tens and tens of billions of dollars, there's no discussion of ROI, return on investment. Right. I mean, that's what that should always be. I mean, you're just spending money. The first question ought to be, what do we get back in return? And there ought to be a specific message to the American people of this is the advantage. To our country and the American people, that we're getting out of spending these tens of billions of dollars. And when's the last time you ever heard that exp- explanation? All you get is like you said, well, you know, it's going to be like you know Hitler rolling through Europe if we don't do stand up and do this, which is
2: ridiculous.
4: Which exactly. So you're talking about what's the return on investment of Ukraine uh, being able to resist this Russian invasion? And I've never heard anybody even attempt to explain that. And when we're printing all this money just to send over there and adding to the national debt. Think about what just
2: half of the money we've oh. given Ukraine could do for the southern border of this country. Just think about the amount of security, border wall. But the thing is, the people in charge don't want that. They don't want that at all. Yep. Uh, one last clip here before we go to traffic. Um, I thought this was pretty interesting. Tucker Carlson calling out Vladimir Putin you know, right to his face about imprisoning a Wall Street Journal reporter a young reporter who is uh, sitting in a Russian
3: jail. I'll ask you one last question, and that's about someone who's very famous in the United States, probably not here, Evan Gershkovitz, who's the Wall Street Journal reporter. He's 32, um, and he's been in prison for almost a year. Uh, This is a huge story in the United States, and I just want to ask you directly, without getting into the details of it or your version of what happened, if, as a sign of your decency, you would be willing to release him to us and we'll bring him back to the United States.
10: We have done so many gestures of goodwill out of decency that I think we have run out of them. We have never seen anyone reciprocate to us in a similar manner. However, in theory, we can say that we do not rule out that we can do that if our partners take reciprocal steps.
2: And to Tucker's credit... He kept going and he asked Vladimir Putin, why don't you release him? I'll take him home. We'll take him home with our crew. Obviously, Vlad didn't play ball.
8: Emma and Nigel
7: presents is. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yeah. Is
2: this anything? All right, let's rock and roll. roll. With Guy Relford in for Big Nige, I'm going to run these stories by Guy. He is going to be the one that tells us if it's anything or not. And, Guy, I think this is right up your wheelhouse here. Is this anything? Dwight Freeney has made
4: the NFL Hall of Fame while Reggie Wayne did uh, not. Well, I'm heartbroken for Reggie. I mean, I, he absolutely deserves it. I'm really hopeful it'll be sooner than later. Um, and and it, it could be they wanted to you know separate the time between Marvin getting in and Reggie getting in. I don't know. I, I'm not sure. Reggie had it. better
2: numbers than Andre Johnson who got in. yeah, but from what I'm hearing, the argument against Reggie, was that he played with Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck, and he also had Marvin Harrison on one side that was taking
4: pressure off of him. No, you know what? I mean, when you're able to share the football field with Marvin Harrison and still be as productive as you were, that says good things about you, not bad things about you.
2: And you know this because you were a season ticket holder for years. Reggie
4: would make plays. It wasn't like he was wide open and caught balls. Reggie had hands. Oh, man, he made a one-handed catch in the corner of the end zone against Houston that they were replaying uh, going back over good games with Houston before that abysmal last game of the season this year. And he made a one-handed catch in the back corner of the end zone against Houston a few years ago. It's still one of the best catches I've ever seen in my life. So I'm heartbroken for Reggie. Um, but but that's tempered uh, to a very large degree. But I'm thrilled for Dwight Freeney because, I mean, I, I wore a Dwight Freeney jersey to a lot of football <laughs> games, man, all over this country. And, uh, and I'm still uh, – uh, I would still call that my favorite, most worn jerseys that I've ever had were my Dwight Freeney jerseys, and um, you know I was a defensive lineman back when, and you know so I was always really proud. Did uh, you have the spin move that Dwight Freeney had? Oh guy? God, no, no, I didn't have, <laughs> I didn't have the athleticism. I uh, I didn't have the athleticism to, to carry his helmet around the field, but um, <laughs> but 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 he it was just so good for so many years, and then teamed up with Mathis. I mean, we were so good on defense, you know, and that's what's frustrating even about these these recent teams is where we really need a stop. And usually, when you really need to stop at the end of the game, the other team's got to drive to score a touchdown, win the game, you you stop them with sacks. And Dwight Freeney and and Robert Mathis used to always come through for us that, you know, not only a sack, but a strip sack ends the game. People always talk about
2: the spin move, but like Dwight Freeney was the first one I saw that got pressure on a regular basis that was great at that stripping
4: of the football. I believe he had 47 strip sacks in his career. That's unbelievable. I mean, a sack is incredible, uh, but a strip sack in the NFL is a big, big deal. So I, I was absolutely thrilled about that. He's, in all seriousness, if you ask me to rank my all-time favorite Colts, uh, which would pretty much mean, mean all-time favorite players, or at least it would be a majority, uh, Dwight Freeney might be right square at the top, and that was so I was really happy about that. I may, I may go to Canton uh, for for that Hall of Fame game when he's inducted. I'd be it'd be really fun for me to to wear one of the jerseys. I wore. I wore his jersey to the Super Bowl that the Colts won. Um, and he's a
2: good dude, man. He does a, good a dude. lot of stuff for the community. Always ran camps and stuff while oh, yeah. he was here and made himself available to the media. Never thought he was some big rock star, you know.
4: Yeah. You know, he's a big deal, but he was a pretty humble guy at the same time. Yeah, I'll tell you what. I, I uh, you know what? I'm I may organize a trip, man. And we'll we'll, we'll <laughs> do a, we'll, we'll do a gun guy wagon train to Canton when he's going to be in Oh, inducted, I like that idea. Cuz I would love to uh, I would love to be there when he's in We're looking for Hall sponsors
2: thing. right now yeah, for the gun go. guy wagon (laughs) that's going to go to Canton, Ohio to support Dwight Freeney. That'd be awesome. That would be and again, not to be a wet blanket about this because I'm a Colts fan too, Sure, but you see all these dudes being nominated for the Hall of Fame or being inducted and next year, Hopefully, Reggie Wayne gets another chance. But I think Adam Vinatieri, he's eligible for the ballot next year. And if you're going to put in a kicker, you have to put in Adam Vinatieri. Oh, he's the GOAT. So, absolutely. Only one Super Bowl out of that squad guy. Only one Super Bowl win. Peyton and Marvin and Freeney and all these Hall of Famers. Edge. You know, Edge never got to
4: a Super Bowl. Yeah. Well, you know, the statistic that always breaks my heart is one Super Bowl, although they set a record for wins in a decade. Did you know that? That? that Jim Mersey talks about that all the time. Yeah, that They're in the upper quartile of the upper quartile of quartiles, I believe. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> right. But, but you know, and and, and part of that, I, you know, I mean, I I, I give uh, Peyton all the, the credit he deserves. But um, Peyton did not have a great record in the playoffs. And I went to a lot of playoff games over a lot of years. I remember sitting in the AFC Championship game in uh, New England where it was snowing the whole damn time. And I think Ty Law had... I always get Lawyer Tillman and Ty Law turned around uh, because of similarity of their names, but I think it was Ty Law. I think it had three interceptions and Peyton threw four or five total in that game. It was snowing the whole damn game. I'm in New England, right? Tormented by idiot uh, Patriots <laughs> fans, and uh, and and Peyton's out there just throwing the ball multiple times to the other team. That was that was uh, that was tough. And 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 that and that's not the only only situation. I don't think Peyton should have got MVP of the Super Bowl. That should have been Joseph Adai. or and you know, Dominic Groves Dominic Groves. Yeah, it should have been co-MVPs, but to the two running backs they're who won that game, um, and so so anyway, I, I'm a big Peyton fan, and the records are, are the records, and he, he you know the, he built the dome. A lot of people say uh, made uh, Indy a legitimate NFL town. I agree with that completely, but did not have a great record in the playoffs. And
2: the damnedest thing is, as a sports fan in Indy. Is that when the Pacers have been good, historically, they've ran into, like, generational players. Yeah. Like, the Pacers, when they made the finals, they had Kobe and Shaq waiting for them. Yeah. You know, when they had probably their best team. Their best team didn't make the finals. They got beat by Jordan's amazing Bulls team in Game 7. Yeah, that won,
4: what, 11 games, or lost, I mean, 11 games all season, yeah.
2: And, you know, Peyton Manning had his prime at the same time Tom Brady had his prime, man. And we can't catch a break sometimes. no, no.
4: We but got but the but memories, though. Fun. And we got something to celebrate right now with Dwight Firini. That's That's way exciting. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show.
2: I don't know about you guys, but I'm getting pretty excited for the All-Star Game. Because, listen, nobody does a big event like Indianapolis does. Say what you want about the city. You know, say what you want about the politics or, you know, whatever. But when the spotlight is on the city, man, we put on a show. Uh, Let's go to the hotline. Joey Graziano, he is with the NBA. He joins us here at the Hammer and Nigel show. Joey, what's going on, man? What kind of vibes are you hearing about the All-Star game being here in Indy?
6: I've been here for a couple weeks now, and we are incredibly excited. We think this is going to be the most fan-first All-Star we've ever put on, one of the biggest vets. And, And as you said, there's not a better major event city in the world
2: than Indianapolis. And what I love about the community here is everybody puts a lot of the bull crap aside. You know, we got political issues, we've got crime issues, whatever. Everybody puts that to the side because we want to do things better than anybody else. When we host the Final Four, we want it to be the best. When we did the Super Bowl, we want it to be the best. And this lineup of events that we've got coming up for the community, uh, the concerts, the All-Star Saturday night with a special LED floor. I'm telling you, man, this is going to be a really cool thing.
6: No, it's, it's going to be amazing. We have the biggest fan event the NBA's ever put on, an NBA crossover live at the Convention Center, which tips off on Friday. Uh, as you mentioned, we have the best musical lineup we've ever put forward with names like DJ D- Diesel, uh, we have MGK, T-Pain, and Zed, Keith Urban, Walker Hayes, Jelly Roll, Little Wayne, all performing live at the convention center during part of our NBA crossover concert series. So that part's going to be incredible. And then we've got the best basketball players in the world coming and descending and putting on an um, incredible show across our arena events at Cambridge Field, That's in Lucas Oil.
2: And again, for those who don't know who DJ Diesel is... That's Shaq, Shaquille O'Neal. That's, he was supposed to be, a, uh, yeah, the DJ at Carb Day, you know, here in Indy at the 500 a couple years ago, uh, but the schedule didn't allow it. But now he gets to come back. And again, we're not talking about some nickel and dime cover bands here. We're talking about a wide genre of artists, whether it's country with Keith Urban, you've got the hip hop shows, you've got some rock shows. It's a little something for everybody, isn't it?
6: Yeah, I'm so excited about, one, the depth of the talent, right? These are incredible names, more than eight-plus musical performances. But then, as you mentioned, the diversity of talent. Um, we really have something for everybody to be able to excite our fans. We know our fans are interested in what our players are interested in, and our players are as dynamic off the court as they are powerful. They're fashion designers, they're artists, they're musicians, they're social justice advocates. All of that's going to come together across NBA All-Star Weekend.
4: You know, I was there uh, at the Colts, Colts at the Pacers Warriors game last night uh, in uh, Gamebridge Fieldhouse, and uh, the NBA was running promo videos, uh, you know, at at during breaks and whatnot. And I got to tell you, they were showing you know highlights of of past like slam dunk competitions and and highlights of the actual NBA game and and highlights from the Rising Stars competition. And I got to tell you, the buzz in the stadium when they're showing this stuff, you know, it was it was really well produced, great music and and running these highlights but you know but they but they're but they're uh, promoting uh All-Star weekend and I got to tell you the buzz in the stadium was through the roof people were excited about the All-Star game coming to Indy and the people right there in the stadium were excited
6: yeah, I was I was there as well, and it was it was obviously other than the result, a great night to be a Pacer. <laughs> right, um, right. But we had you know we have more than a hundred and ninety thousand fan ticketed opportunities, and as you mentioned, the Pacers are leading the way. They're, they are involved in everything from we've got players that are part of the NBA Rising Stars game on Friday night. Um, We certainly have an incredible team that's part of the All-Star Saturday night with our skills competition with Tyrese and Ben um, and Miles Turner performing in the skills competition and Tyrese in the three-point competition. And then obviously Tyrese is a starter on Sunday. So I think if you're a Pacers fan, there's just so much to be proud of. And then for all Hoosiers, this is, a, this is a global moment where you are going to be able to showcase your city, showcase your state, showcase Hoosier hospitality, what makes this place great. And from Monument Circle all the way to Lucas Oil, you won't be able to go half a foot without knowing you're an, an NBA All-Star. And we're going to have free activations, enough for the family. And we want everybody to be able to come down from morning until the end of the night. We don't mind a party at the NBA. So we want right you to be able to hang out from morning until the end of the night with us in downtown
2: Indy. Joey Graziano is our guest. He's with the NBA. We're talking about the All-Star Game, which Indy is hosting next weekend. It's not just a day. It's a full week long um, of activities here in Indy. Joey, if somebody's listening right now and they're saying to themselves, you know what? I don't have hundreds of bucks to buy a ticket to the All-Star Game or the slam dunk contest, but I want to come down and I want to be part of the activities. What can they do?
6: Certainly. I I think you're going to want to go to the NBA events app, which has access to all the different information. We've got an entire playbook um, that we've built out, which includes just free activations. And so if you come down to Monument Circle, you have Hoosier Historia um, that's going on and and existing. We've got free activations across Georgia Street. Um, We've built out a cultural corridor to make sure uh, that our our local fans are able to be able to participate in the best art and fashion and music that Indy has to offer. So we've got a number of events that are certainly free, and one of the best ways would be come down, come to the JW, and I want you to scan the nine-story high Tyrese Halliburton, uh, scan our flow code there to enter for the most exclusive prizing the NBA is offering, including access to suites, a golden ticket moment, um, entryway onto the court, behind the scenes and in locker rooms, You can access all of that. We had our first local winner announced yesterday, all by scanning the flow code on the JW Marriott.
2: So, Joey, today, you know, it's Friday. It's uh, approaching 5 o'clock. I'm looking out the window. I see Monument Circle. There are banners going up. Everything's starting to come to life. What are we going to see in Indy over this next week?
6: a full NBA takeover from the airport (laughs) and the incredible work that they've done there um, to welcome our global fans, fans coming from more than 30 countries, 125,000 plus fans descending on Indianapolis next week. They will know from the minute they get off a plane. And then for those who get to downtown Indy, we've got our work to do because we are taking this entire downtown over. And so from, as I mentioned, from Monument Circle to Lucas Oil, it's going to be full NBA all the time.
7: One
2: more time, where can people uh, go to get the information on events that are happening every day and all the different activities?
6: If you want to buy tickets, you're going to go to NBAevents.com. And if you're looking for the latest schedules, Uh, Appearances, uh, product drops, merchandise, collaborations, all download the NBA events app.
2: Do we, real quick, last thing, I promise you before I let you go, because I know you're a busy dude. Is there an update on uh, all-star jerseys? Because I know a lot of people have been wanting to buy Tyrese Halliburton all-star jerseys. But it seems like there's been a shortage of that. Do you have anybody you can complain to for us about that, Joey?
6: <laughs> you know what? It's, it's a great that you say that I was with the I was in the Pacers team store yesterday, which is an incredible. One of the best in the league team stores and they were talking about how they ran out at, uh, of of Tyrese Surge. They were actually borrowing from some of the other teams, but the great part is our our merchandise team is now in town. And they are taking over, uh, taking over the Pacers team store, a number of different hotels. They'll have a big merchandise drop at the convention center. So starting next week, you're going to have all of that All Star merchandise all the time. You can also always go to the NBA Store and get that Tyrese Halliburton jersey. But I saw it. I got to say, it's pretty slick looking. I'm going to get myself one as well this weekend.
2: Right on, Joey Graziano of the NBA. We're looking forward to it, man. Thanks for taking the time. Thanks, Joey. Thank you for having me.
0: Hammer, and Nigel. Do you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock
2: But
8: there are going to be no charges, and part of the reason is because the special counsel writes, at trial, Mr. Biden would likely present himself to a jury, as he did during our interview of him,
2: as a sympathetic, well-meaning, elderly man with a poor memory. But other than that, everything's fine when it comes to the president of the United States. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. I'm Jason Hammer. Uh, Big Nige is out. Guy Relford is filling in. And wow, it was a wild you know, evening of the news cycle. Because around 6 o'clock, the interview came out with Tucker Carlson and Vladimir Putin. And we played you some highlights of that earlier. You can hear our perspective, our takes on the podcast page, WIBC.com. What we didn't expect was an impromptu press conference from Joe Biden, where he wanted to respond to the special counsel's claim that he's basically too old and senile to be held accountable for taking classified documents. Now I'm paraphrasing there, but look up what the special counsel
4: said, and that's what's going on. An elderly man with a uh, bad memory and would therefore be sympathetic to a jury, and you know, and, and when I when I when I heard those words you know, uh, for the first time, elderly man with a poor memory, first thought is this guy has the nuclear football, right? I mean, this is a guy you know who, who now. You know, and I know that there are probably 20 different people between him and, and a button anywhere. Right. Um,
2: they but. send him to his room with a pack of crayons and yeah. he's good to go. <laughs>
4: exactly. But, you know, at least uh, in terms of his job description, um, the, the, a, a guy who can be described that way, an elderly man with a with a bad memory, and he's a leader of the free world? Oh, hell no.
2: Whose idea was this press conference? Because Biden's not calling the shots. Like, somebody can overrule Joe Biden. We know this. He's not calling the shots. So, who said, yeah, that's a good idea? You go out there and you talk to the press, Joe. Uh, Maybe you can steal some thunder away from this Tucker interview, but you really respond to that special counsel. Who thought that was a good idea? Or, and Guy, if you wouldn't mind throwing me that tinfoil hat that's right (laughs) next to you over there, Uh, let me put this tinfoil hat on. They wanted him to do this because they want him off the ticket and they want everybody to see how much
4: of his fastball he's actually lost. You know what? That, that is an interesting theory because my assumption when I saw it, Jason, um, I went in the completely opposite direction. I looked at, it and I said, you know what? This is a this is the one time the old man put his foot down and said, no, by God, I'm mad. I'm going to go on the air. I'm going to express myself. I'm going to refute these things um, and and get out of my way. And make this happen. And and I, I thought, you know, it, it against the advice of his handlers, decided to go in there and point his finger at the camera and you know and, and his. His mind set the record straight, and all he did was completely reinforce everything anybody was talking about anyway. It was a total backfire. Total backfire. Because
2: he went up there, he was angry with the press, he was mumbling, he got things wrong, and everything you thought about Joe Biden came true. It was verified in that impromptu press conference last night. So let's get into it here. Biden called Israel's response in Gaza following the October 7th attack by Hamas over the top. And then, on top of that, he confused the presidents of Egypt and Mexico.
9: I'm of the view, as you know, that the conduct of the response in, Gaza, in the Gaza Strip has been um, over the top. I think that, uh, man, as you know, initially the president of Mexico, Sisi, did not want to open up the gate to allow humanitarian material to get in. I talked to him. I convinced him to open the gate. That's the president of Egypt, not
2: Mexico. Yeah. It's not even a country that starts you know with the same letter here. <laughs> so he's clearly out of it. And then... Like One of the things in the special counsel report was that Joe Biden doesn't remember um, his son passing yeah. away, doesn't know a lot of details about it, even though he talks about it all the time. But if you listen to Joe Biden, he makes it sound like Beau died in combat in Iraq. That's not the case. He died of a, a brain Cancer situation five years after he came home. This is Joe Biden uh, responding to that report. But if you listen, he forgets the name of the place where Bo got his rosary.
9: Frankly, when I was asked the question, I thought to myself, it wasn't any of their damn business. Let me tell you something. Some of you have commented, I wear since the day he died, every single day, the rosary he got from Our Lady of. Every Memorial Day, we hold a
2: service. And he just quits. He just quits. And this kind of goes on for a while. Fox's Peter Ducey, he got a question in because, again, whoever was handling Joe Biden thought it was a good idea for him to take questions from the press pool. Oh, man. And Ducey asked Biden about the special counsel's report that he's not all there.
8: Biden, Something the special counsel said in his report is that one of the reasons you were not charged is because, in his description, you are a well-meaning, elderly man with a poor memory.
9: I'm well-meaning, and I'm an elderly man, and I know what the hell I'm doing. I've been president, and I put this country back on its feet. I don't need his recommendation. It's How totally is your memory, and can
2: you
8: continue as
2: president?
9: My memory is so bad I let you speak.
2: What the hell does that even mean? Hello. Like, what does that even mean? And okay, if you want to argue, well, he's got a history with Peter Doocy. It's the opposite side giving him business. You're starting to see more and more now. Friendly fire like normally the press corps at the White House. It's all people that sniff Democrat butts. That's who they are. They're starting to turn. And Joe Biden got snippy last night.
11: Mr. President, President. for months when you were asked about your age, you would respond with the words, watch me. Many American people have been watching, and they have expressed concerns about your age. That
9: is your judgment. That is your judgment. That is not the judgment of the press.
11: They express concerns about your mental acuity. They say that you are too old. Mr. President, in December, you told me that you believe there are many other Democrats who could defeat Donald Trump. So why does it have to be you now? Why, what is your answer to that question?
9: Because I'm the most qualified person in this country to be president of the United States and finish the job I started. The wheels are falling
2: off here, guy. The wheels are falling off. And Kaylee McEnany, uh, former White House press secretary, somebody that knows what it's like to have to go up in that press room and, you know, put out some fires and deal with a hostile group. This was her takeaway last night.
11: We just saw an unmitigated disaster play out before our very eyes. We just watched a wounded political animal hobble to a podium and react with defensiveness, with anger. And, you know... It's bad, Jesse. When you have the White House press corps, they are essentially an extension of the Joe Biden press and communications team. Bingo. When they are shouting at him, asking repeatedly, Are you going to step aside, Mr. President? The CNN correspondent asking that. When NBC, NBC of all places, writes a headline, A Nightmare Special Counsel Report Triggers Panic Among Democrats. And when you have a president who, for 45 minutes, announces a press conference with no topic, giving the world 45 minutes to speculate. Is he stepping aside? What would life be like under a President Kamala Harris? For 45 minutes, the nation got to feel that panic, and I don't think they will forget it come November.
2: Everybody thought that was a disaster last night. Everybody thought that was a train wreck, except for Jeffrey Tubin of CNN. Oh, here we go. Now, Jeffrey Tubin, if you remember, was busted playing with himself on a Zoom call in front of a female journalist and colleagues. And he also, in a separate situation, tried to force an abortion on a colleague's daughter that he knocked up. That Jeffrey Tubin, all of a sudden, He's the guy of virtue. He's the guy that feels like it was inappropriate for the special counsel to put all
7: that information in the report. There is no reason why this report had to be 300 pages. There is no reason why this fairly straightforward case had to be treated this way. And the, uh, I mean, this was just like what James Comey did to Hillary Clinton when he supposedly cleared her of the use of classified information and then talked about how reckless and terrible she was. You you know, pro- the job of prosecutors is to put up or shut up. If you have a case, bring your case. If you don't have a case, shut the hell up or say as little as- Do you think as- he's playing politics? I absolutely do. Jeffrey Tubin's awful cocky
2: for a dude that got busted, treating his body like an amusement park on a Zoom call and trying to force an abortion on the daughter of a colleague. Now all of a sudden he wants to lecture you on what's appropriate or not. So, in honor of Jeffrey Tubin trying to be Mr. Tough Guy, let's take a trip down memory lane here. Let's do a Hammer and Nigel Records tribute to Jeffrey Tubin and the things he does on Zoom calls. And guy, when we did this song, a number of you ago, I was listening to a little bit of uh, Motley Crue smoking in the boys' room. <laughs> Woo! Hey, did you ever seem to have one of those days where you just want to take all your pants off on a Zoom call? You know, I used to have those kind of feelings all the time. And then I finally did something about it. Let me tell you sitting on a zoom call thinking it's a drag i get the sudden urge to put my hand down my pants when i hear the hot chicks i know it's my cue to drop all my legal briefs and break out the Come on, stroking in the zoom room <laughs> Stroking in the Zoom room. <laughs> CNN don't care what I assume, but everybody knows that stroking ain't allowed on Zoom.
10: There it is. <laughs> was,
4: the, was the breaking out the lube line necessary? Had to make it realistic.
2: Little throwback, Hammer and Nigel records for you for Mr. Tough Guy, Jeffrey Lubin Tubin. <coughs>
4: You're
5: listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show.
2: It is on like Donkey Kong. This is the weekend. This is it. Super Bowl weekend. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. I'm Jason Hammer. Guy Relford. Pinch hitting for Big Nige and a lot of money. Lots of cash going to be wagered on the Super Bowl this weekend. Over 26 million Americans will wager at least something on the game. So I thought... You know what? This would be the perfect time to bring in my degenerate friends, the folks that have been making bets with me all year at WIBC.com, comedian Scott Long, professional handicapper David Stefanoff. Gentlemen, welcome to the Hammer and Nigel Show. How are you guys doing? What's going on, guys? I am just going to say I feel a little um, insulted, and, uh, but totally accurate of your description of me as a degenerate. It's a term of endearment, man. Like, listen. If you're the kind of guy that's going to gamble on a coin toss, if you're the kind of guy that's going to gamble uh, an NFL player against a college basketball player like Scott has done in our video this week, degenerate fits, man. Degenerate fits. Uh, can I just tell you, Hammer, I just made
0: uh, – it was I didn't get good odds, but I just made a lot of money on betting that Nigel wouldn't be on the call. <laughs> Yeah,
2: that's like betting Alabama against a Mac team. You're not going to make much money on that. that. (laughs) David Stefanoff, our professional handicapper from followneverfade.com. Let's get into this here because there are so many different ways you can bet on the Super Bowl. Uh, Scott and I... Right now on our video at WIBC.com, we've got five different bets. I've bet the game. Scouts got five prop bets. What sticks out to you as a professional here?
8: The game is going to be absolute, probably going to be one of the best, most watched game ever. I think the quarterback play. It's a, it comes down to quarterback play, and uh, we got probably one of the best, besides Brady, coming with the Kansas City, and we got the young kid. I think uh, I'm, I'm looking at the prop bets like pretty throw an interception hammer. We talked about this before. We was off the air yesterday. I like this Purdy to throw an interception, and I love this game to go over. Everybody's talking defense, 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 but you got two awesome quarterbacks, two one awesome, awesome offense. I love the game over, and I love Brock Purdy to throw an interception, Hammer.
2: I'm with you on that one. That was one of the picks that I have on the video right now at WIBC.com. Scott, I'm in on Kansas City, and let me tell you why, and then you can dissect whether you think I'm insane or not. It's all about me. It's all about me, because if I lose – betting with Patrick Mahomes. I can go to bed at night and think, you know what, tip my hat to San Francisco, but I put my faith in Andy Reid as an underdog, which is usually money. I put my faith in a generational quarterback. It didn't work out. But if I bet on San Francisco and get beat, I have to look at myself in the mirror and go, you win with Mr. Irrelevant over Patrick freaking Mahomes? What's wrong with you? Does that make sense?
1: Yep. reality. It it, actually does.
0: Yeah. And I'll just uh it's interesting. I just saw the greatest, most famous better of all time. His name's Billy Walters, and uh they asked him about his game, and he's like. I, I lean with the Chiefs. I'm not going to bet a lot. Probably only about 500000 to a million. <laughs> so, uh, that's kind of where I'm at. Uh, you know, my 500000 to a million, I probably wouldn't even bet this in a regular week. Uh, there's a lot of good prop bets. But you're right, Hammer. It pains me. And you are insane. This has nothing to do with you <laughs> being insane. But I'm just it, saying, you cannot bet against Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reed with two weeks. Shanahan has never won in this circumstance. Just everything points kind of to the Chiefs, even though I think the talent level is a little bit of a lean to the 49ers.
2: Okay, so Scott, give me a uh, prop bet. We've got a video out that's at wibc.com. I've shared it, but if somebody doesn't have time to watch that video and they're listening right now, what is one prop bet in the Super Bowl that you love? if you if you're betting on the chiefs take uh Isaiah Pacheco
0: to have um over on yards uh, caught receiving yards and rushing. I think he's going to get the ball a lot. The Chiefs have kind of pared back from what they were doing earlier when they were throwing to all the guys who can't catch the ball. Now they're just kind of throwing to Kelsey and they're throwing and running the ball with Pacheco.
2: David Stefanoff, you're our professional here. You're the pro handicapper at followneverfade.com. Any other prop bets other than the Brock Purdy inter Perception stick out to you. I don't really
8: have. I'm not a big prop person, but a lot of people, you know, when they bet this game, they like to do you know the little same same game parlays. I would just recommend people doing. Hey, like if you think San Francisco to win the game, McCaffrey to score a touchdown, McCaffrey you know this over yards, and San Francisco to win the game. But if you like the Kansas City other side, you know, Kelsey touchdown, Kansas City to win the game, the game to go over. I just I'm, I'm almost sticking on my, my Brock Purdy prop is the only prop I'm really sticking out on. Um, I think Pacheco will score a touchdown because like like Scott just said, he's made. He's the remaining focus on Kelsey. And San Fran's known to take the tight end away from people, from other teams. So I think Pacheco is going to be the key for Kansas City to score a touch. They move, the, they move the ball, throw the ball, run the ball, and score a touchdown. I like Pacheco to score a touchdown and Brock Purdy to throw an interception and the Chiefs to win the game.
2: Now, I think we're all thinking the same thing here, which is pretty scary because usually when yeah. we all have the same pick, you can bet the farm that the opposite's going to happen. But I'm riding with Isaiah Pacheco, last touchdown of the game here. Everybody loves to bet the first touchdown. I'm a last touchdown guy because you get more enjoyment out of that bet. You always feel like you got a chance as long as the game is going on. And if you look at Kansas City this postseason, every game they've played, the last touchdown scored was Isaiah Pacheco. He's their closer. Plus 540. Around that, depending on your sports book, that's awesome odds for a guy that's their closer. That's what I like, Scott. I think you're right,
0: and um, I just will tell you also I look at the game as one that's going to be super close. All the games, the last 15 Super Bowls have been five points or less. So you're looking at a game, just bet whoever's going to win. Take the money line, especially if you're on San Francisco. You know, don't worry about the two. Just take the money line because that's probably where it's going to wind up.
2: David, if anybody would like your uh, expertise, I know you have a VIP service. You're a college basketball guru. You've got lines on IU, Purdue this weekend, and everything else. How do people find you, David?
8: I'm all over social media. FollowNumberFade.com is the website. We're on Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter. Message me directly. Check all websites. But, hey, follow is the name. Just type it in. You'll find me everywhere. Thank you again, Scott and Hammer. Good luck to you guys. This a Super Bowl weekend.
2: Thank you. And, Scott, if somebody wants to book you for their corporate event, or maybe they're just a lonely caramel housewife, how do they find you? <laughs> uh, find, if you're a lonely
0: Carmel Housewife, find me at the Marsh. Oh, that, that used to be my move. Um, I would just say uh, get a hold of David and then he'll tell me how because I will tell you right now that guy is the goat of college basketball and tennis. There we go.
8: Thank yes.
2: you, Scott. dot followNeverFade.com. Gentlemen, I appreciate the time.
8: Good luck, Bye. guys. Bye-bye.
5: You're listening to The Hammer and Nigel Show.
2: It is The Hammer and Nigel Show. I'm Jason Hammer. Big Nige is out. Guy Relford, the gun guy, filling in. And right now, let's go to the hotline because, Wow. Damn, it has been a week in Washington. It's been a wild 24 hours. Uh, Breitbart's congressional political reporter is Bradley J. And Bradley, we had booked you to come on the show to talk about some of these wishy-washy, soft Republicans, specifically in the Senate. And I do want to get to that. But can we start with whatever the hell that was last night with Joe Biden? Did you get a chance to watch the press conference?
5: Holy smokes. Could you believe what you saw? That was wild. <laughs> that, I don't think that there's any question that yesterday was the low point of the Biden presidency. I mean, what what a disaster. Uh, I mean, They had this hastily uh, scheduled press conference to try to reinforce uh, to America, oh, our president actually does know uh, what world he's living in. And he continues confusing world leaders. He couldn't remember uh, where his his uh, his, uh, dead son uh, received his rosary. I mean, it was just a disaster. How could anyone watch that and think that uh, the leader of the free world has it all figured out? Uh, I mean, anyone who was... I, I, it, when you have people who are op- Democrats who are openly questioning if the White House communication team is openly trying to sabotage the, the Biden reelection campaign, you know things are bad. But that's, that's what we're looking at right now.
2: Well, see, I got to be honest. That's one of the things that I thought last night, because who decided that this was a good idea? Like Joe Biden himself? There's got to be a group of inner people that are calling the shots that could tell him no. This is not a good idea. Sleep on this. We'll put out a statement. Do something else. But he went out there and made things worse. He threw gasoline on the fire last night.
5: He absolutely did. He turned what could have been... uh I mean, clearly, the report's language, the examples in the report. It, from yesterday, I'm talking of you know, special counsel uh, hers uh, report, who was looking into Biden's handling of uh, classified materials. Uh, it said he couldn't remember within several years when his son died. Uh, it said, and and of course, we're talking about a president who speaks all the time about when his about his son dying, and even uh, in in public, in in statements, in crowds. Has gotten the year wrong. Has said he died in Iraq when no, it was five years after he returned, and he died of brain cancer. So, to, but to see these types of examples from Biden's own Department of Justice is just wild. It detailed of several occasions when he couldn't remember when he was vice president. Right. So this is just wild. But that could have been well, you know, it's it's uh, in some government report. Maybe it's partisan. I don't know. Uh, You know, you could there was still uh, the White House could still distance himself from it. But to roll him out like that and to simply confirm that the worst fears that any American could get from reading the highlights of, of that report are true. I mean, it's it's just how does simple uh, mismanagement account for that you know they claimed oh, well this was something that uh, the president really wanted to do uh, going out last night addressing the nation well first of all uh, first of all uh, you're, you're not going to convince me all of a sudden that now it's the president calling the shots and making those decisions right. I just don't believe it um, but secondly no you know, I mean it, the, the president is clearly not well right now he's been traveling I mean goodness gracious even uh, the the uh, the Super Bowl interview every president you know does the softball Super Bowl interview and they canceled that within the, uh, the last couple of days and this is coming off uh, several occasions just over the past month or so where Biden has detailed supposedly recent conversations with uh, world leaders he's you know just picked up the phone Chad Chad with who have been dead for years one of them going back to 1996 right the president is not well how can can anyone deny at this point last night just drove it home for good and whatever happens next what, what the Democrat Party does what Biden does, what the White House does to to try to move beyond this ooh, I don't know, it's anybody's guess right now.
2: And the thing is Bradley this isn't anything new like anybody that's actually watched this objectively play out over the last couple of years, this isn't anything new. Here in Indiana, we lost Representative Jackie Roller Ski in a fatal car accident. Awful tragedy. Joe Biden named a building after her after she had passed away and then held a press conference, and he was upset she was not in the room. So, you know, talking about how he's had conversations with people not alive and looking for dead people in a room, this isn't anything that's all of a sudden coming out of left field. This is the way this dude's been for a while, and it's kind of a trip to me now seeing people like like MSNBC, people like CNN, finally jumping on board, saying maybe there's a problem.
5: When Joe Biden walked back to that podium yesterday, every everyone just thought, and I'm sure you did as well. Oh God, what's going to happen? This is not good. And I'm sure that, that no one was more concerned than his own staff because we, we've seen Joe Biden, we've we've seen this before, uh, but. I, it's, it's just so apparent now. And to hear the reporters, he first, you know, he called on uh, uh, Peter Ducey, who, you know, has has been an all star, really, in, in calling out the administration. But he was not alone. You're, you're right. Everyone jumped on him. It was just a cacophony of voices. He almost made me feel bad for the president for a moment. But everyone, are you fit to run? Are you the, the, the best that the Democrats have? Can you do this? How bad is your memory, Mr. President? It That was a bloodbath. It was so bad. And the Washington Press Corps, come on. We know how kind they've been to the Biden administration. You're exactly right. They've looked the other way four years when this has been so apparent to anyone watching. You don't have to have a medical degree to uh, be able to see. The president clearly can't remember things. He clearly is is shuffling his feet and falling. And look, all that's unfortunate. But this is the leader of the free world, and he doesn't even know what world he's living in. This is a major concern. If you're a Republican or a Democrat, whose hands are on the wheel right now? Uh, And the fact that I think that last night really was a turning point where there is going to be significantly more scrutiny on this president and his abilities to lead this country, not just for the next four years, but until the end of his term. This is bad, and it's inescapable at this point.
2: We're chatting with Breitbart News congressional and political reporter Bradley Jay here on The Hammer and Nigel Show. So let's go back earlier in the week. On Monday, we see the leak of this It was dubbed as the border bill, but very little of that had anything to do with the United States border. It was, in essence, a funding bill for other countries. It ultimately dies a slow death in the Senate. But then yesterday, you've got 17 Republican senators, including Todd Young from here in Indiana, giving a big thumbs up to pass more money to Ukraine, to Taiwan, to Israel, but nothing for the United States, nothing for the border border really nothing at all, and I'm curious as to what you think about all this.
5: I do think it's interesting that, I mean, Senator Young, uh, he, he's a fairly loyal uh, McConnell lieutenant. Uh, he, he has broken with him some in the past, uh, but you've got senators out there who are, who are fighting uh, for amendments, uh, saying, you know, we're a senator, I represent my state, I've got the, the right to offer my input on this and to advocate for uh, for what what they want to help shape this bill. Uh Senator Young said, you know, I mean I understand that the people uh you know, some people want to amend this, but he said that he, he's in favor of the bill as is just whatever Schumer and McConnell concocted, Hey, $95 million to, uh, to overseas. Fine. Where do I sign? Uh, it, it really is uh, remarkable, I think that, uh, and I will note, I don't know for sure that this bill will pass the Senate. It looks pretty good. They're going to be in over the weekend. Uh, even during the Super Bowl. we're looking at maybe a, a Tuesday, uh, passage, uh, uh, I don't. I don't think it'll uh, pass muster in the House. Uh, but even after what we saw um, in those in those 24 hours after the uh, the you, again, you're right. It wasn't a U.S. border bill. It was a foreign aid slash pro-migration uh, extravaganza. Uh, but even after we saw Senator Republican senators step up and say, no, this is this is not in America's interest. Uh, I am going to butt the system. I am going to be very unsenatorial, at least as of late, uh, and go against leadership uh, with this. We need to go in a more America first direction, even after just w- what was really remarkable uh, Monday and how that bill was killed in such a short amount of time. We're still not quite there in the Senate. The Senate is very slow moving. It has has gotten much more closely aligned with the uh, with the American people, with the electorate in recent years. Uh, but we're still not there yet. There's a certainly an, an old school Republican uh, attitude in the Senate. A lot of it is on policy, uh, but honestly, Jason, I think a lot of it is just this old school senatorial go along to get along attitude. But that's changing.
2: What are you working on over at Breitbart, Bradley?
5: Gosh, we're following what's going on in the Senate right now with a foreign aid. uh, As I said, they're keeping the Senate in on the weekend, which is very rare. The Senate is out all the time. It's always in recess. They're always just piddling around, not doing anything. But the fact that they're staying in over recess to try to send a bunch of American taxpayer money overseas when we have all the problems we're facing, I think that says a lot. I would not say that... The Congress is a, a great example of uh, productivity right now, but we're going to do all we can to stay on top of it at Breitbart.
2: Check it out at Breitbart.com and look for his work, Bradley J, the congressional and political reporter. Bradley, great stuff, man. We'd love to have you back on the show, and we appreciate you.
5: I love it. That was a blast. Uh, happy, to, happy to be with you.
2: Right
10: now! Uh, Camera uh, Nigel uh,
2: presents...
10: Oh, oh, oh. Beer! Sample!
2: Fry! Yeah. I got some beers. Let's drink them, huh? Beers on sale, people. Come down, get you some. Presented by Thompson Furniture and Mattress in Columbus. I'm irresponsible. I went way long with our Breitbart guest, but when you got a dude with that country accent spitting fire, you just let him go. So, this is a quote, shotgun edition here, guy. The gun guy's here, and this beer is for you. I'm going to throw it to you, I'm going to get it to you, unlike Nigel.
4: Hey former tight end man I'm, there you I'm go right there with you. what's the name of that beer guy this is from country boy brewing shotgun wedding shotgun wedding <laughs> for the gun guy outstanding beer
2: sample friday the weekend is underway